Okay, you can hear me now. Yes, yes. Okay, yes, I forgot I was no longer doing it on my computer. It works much better on the phone. Yeah. So there we go. Okay. I'm starting to panic. I thought I had it the same as I did last time, and yet... Oh, me too, me too. I, I, I have to reset every time I sit down. Um, I have to fiddle with settings, and it's the same yeah. thing. Yeah, you wonder if you change something for forever. <laughs> the end of the, it's the end of Skype. Yeah, totally. How are you? I'm doing okay. Did you have a good uh, uh, beginning of the week? Yeah, it's been pretty good. I've been doing computer programming. I haven't done that in a while, so I like that quite a lot. You do? It's like problem solving, right? It's like uh, it's like doing puzzles. Oh. Yeah, so it's not really complicated programming. It's just that you have to you got an idea of what you're trying to get out at the end, and there's this kind of creative problem solving approach that you have to kind of go through in order to make it do what you want. What it basically means is that for me to do something that would take a programmer maybe four hours to do takes me probably four days. <laughs> but but it's fun, and I spend a lot of time. It's I, I like it. It's like a it keeps your mind working. Mm. Making art mm. would probably be a better a better way to do that. But well, so. uh, if we if I if I refer to back to uh, your your choice of artist uh, Stan Douglas, it seems it, like. Uh, He's using computer animation to do his thing, right? I thought that was pretty interesting. I, I somehow ended up a little farther into it, and I, I tried to move it back, and it moved again. I don't know. I thought maybe there's somewhere I didn't want me to see the beginning, and so I just let it go from, I think it was about 15 minutes in. And, yeah, and he had that, um, like, app on an iPad, it looked like, where he's, he reconstructed the old neighborhood that he grew up in as it was back then, and all the old buildings and the Chinese brothel and the the Italian bootlegger, and it's pretty interesting, really. Mm-hmm. So you, you're taken in to this, like, it's a walk to all these different places in this, in, in this neighborhood that was, uh, uh, like, run down, um, and the city of Vancouver was trying to always kind of just uh, gentrify it and change it i guess now it's like a big there's like a big exchange or, or big road going through it like it it doesn't exist yeah i didn't anymore. look yeah that's the impression i got i didn't really I look into it long enough to see where it was i know vancouver a little bit i've been there a few times but i i'd like to watch more I, you know he's an interesting artist he's somebody who i've known about for a long time but i've i haven't really been following him and I remember I first when I first heard of him, he did a show called Les Detroit that was about Detroit. And it was uh, he went into all of these old neighborhoods in Detroit that were completely gone, and he did this these amazing photographs that were displayed like it was just a photographic show, but it was very very good eye and very good production, like big prints that was really cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've always kind of liked him. So I guess really he's sort of he seems to be a little bit focused on this kind of idea of urban decay. Yeah, urban decay and uh, film noir and move everything cinematic. Yeah, yeah, he's one of he's. I'd say he's probably one of Canada's more successful, if not even most successful artists. Well, internationally known. I mean, I don't know whether he's, you know, he's probably he's probably not a multimillionaire or anything like that. But but uh, he, he he makes a living at it, and he's and people know him all over the world. So that's that's a pretty good pretty good credit credentials for being for a Canadian artist, for any artist, really. Hmm. I, it's interesting. I mean, I, we're not, uh, our, our school, our little program is mostly based on uh, the visual arts, uh, traditional and a little bit uh, of uh, the digital art, but not too much. So we don't... Uh, I mean, if it weren't for Art 21, we wouldn't hear of, of much of these other artists that exist in the world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm really impressed with that site as well. I'm, I've kind of forgot that we had talked about that last time, and just flipping through the artists that they have, um, it's really impressive. And it's really the like, cutting-edge people. Like, I think if you watched any of those videos, you'd be interested, any of them, just randomly, you know. I didn't know this... Diana Thater, for example, and I really liked her process. 
Yeah, she I, talks I, about um, um, movies uh, being uh, playing with time. Yeah, and being in L.A., how you're being an artist, you're sort of marginalized because the art in L.A. obviously is is um, is film, right? And and the film has to so inform what she does as well because she's are surrounded by it and how the artists sort of stick together in a community. I really thought that was a uh, pretty astute and interesting to hear. Yeah, she was she, she was saying uh, abstraction in painting is the abstraction of the figurative. And her abstraction in film is abstraction of time. And uh, she was using nature, nature and space, the relationship between animals and their habitats and us. So she, she creates spaces, installations where people can experience sympathetic sympathetic something sympathetic uh, like really feel the animal the buzzing of the bees or the splashing of the dolphin or the movement of the dolphin so you get to experience these uh, these animals yeah one, one thing I really liked about the few of these that I've looked at of I'm, uh, parts of is the way that they sh they also get involved in the process and I really liked seeing her and I've still got it in the background where she's built the museum out of styrofoam walls and she's setting the whole thing up and building like a little video thing and I think that's really cool I really like because you don't usually get to see that aspect of art and, and to me like the, that's what made me when I was way back in the you know in the 90s if you can remember that far back yeah <laughs> Way back in the 90s when I, I, be, I befriended Brian Sabby and I befriended Jeff Wilmore and, and I started knowing more artists and I became really, really interested in the process. It was really the process that interested me almost more than the final product. <laughs> true, true. And, and I, so for me to, to see this, and I remember seeing the same thing with, well, with the Matthew Barney stuff, seeing like watching that stuff getting filmed was fairly interesting. And then what was the other one we watched that was a lot about process? That was a, a, the woman who was filling the glove with concrete. Uh, Magor? Liz, yeah, Liz yeah, 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 yeah. Like, to me, that stuff is fascinating. Like To see that glove filled with concrete in the gallery, that's pretty cool. I would like that. But I think watching her talk about getting air bubbles out of it and just the whole process of, of knowing that she's probably made like a bunch of them before she got one that she was happy with, those sorts of things, right? Yeah, totally. This is also what fascinates me. When when you can sit down and see an, an artist's work and and then see the the work exhibited, it's so it's it's magical. It's so fascinating. Yeah. I could be sitting there and I'm like, oh okay, I'm watching, I'm watching Okay, is Mark is Mark done? Oh, Mark wants us to podcast now, <laughs> but I want to watch. <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to make a note to try to watch some of these, and I just for whatever reason I've got too many other things going on. I'm too busy watching bad television, probably. Oh, but, I know. You know, but but whatever. I mean, I it. It seems that there's a whole lot of material there, and it seems that everyone I've watched has been – I've been incredibly impressed with the production values, and um, Claire Danes was introducing the last one. That's pretty cool. Oh, I know. Like, you see these, like, Steve Martin and all kinds of actors that that, that present the, the series, and – and these Man. people, these people are the big ones, you know. Like they're the big ones. They're the, the ones that get the big shows. They get into like they're everywhere in the world. And yeah, these this is yeah. definitely the cutting edge of of twenty first century art is, is well represented by that series. And it's, there's a lot of people on there, and a lot of people that really deserve it, who really worked hard to get where they're at, and you can really. You know, you can see their final product and say, "Wow, that's incredible." And then to watch again this pro like. The them explain their process, and not only them explain it, because it's one thing to go to like an artist talk and they talk about what they do, but this is like very high production value filming of them working and 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 with a voiceover of them talking about what they're doing. I think that's really amazing. Oh, exactly. So you get the whole 
You, you get to see them teaching, you get to see them working on their little maquettes and tell, yeah, yeah, tell but... us, you know, what's important to them. And yeah, totally. Like, it's so fascinating and the whole thing. But um, I've noticed uh, a lot that um, things are moving towards the, the, the cinematic and the um, immersive experience and that requires a lot yeah. a lot of knowledge it requires and, and, uh, and investment design, money too <laughs> computer um, you know programming uh. yeah a lot of these people have teams working with them too right they're like kind of the lead of it but I mean I wouldn't be discouraged by that per se because I think that just the run-of-the-mill painter is always going to have a place in the art world, and painting is something that people will always connect to. And I think if you can make some of these works, like the ones that Stan Douglas was doing, for example, I think that's a really good example of modern art that a lot of different people will connect with. Some modern art and these sort of immersive experiences, I think if you got sort of your Joe Schmo off the Sault Ste. Marie Street, they would probably think, what is going on here, right? But I think, you know, there's certain artists that are able to transcend that, and I think... Uh, Stan Douglas is certainly one of them. Matthew Barney, probably not, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I love it. I love that no, stuff, but it's, it's so no. over the top. <laughs> no, yes. I, w I think you would have... You would have to drag me to go see. Yeah. Well, you know, the one that I saw in the Chrysler building was, I thought, really, really good. They had, he had, like, a car crash happening, and it was, like, it was unbelievable. And then there was another one where we had Richard Serra throwing Vaseline inside of the Guggenheim in New York. It was just like, wow, what is going on here? I don't think I would like, how did he, like, see that. <laughs> It's pretty, it's, I don't know, it, it, that's the, isn't the stuff that I find disturbing. It's once he starts getting into those weird creatures that look like something out of a science fiction, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's very strange. It's it's very unusual. And what an imagination. It's sort of surrealism taken to the absolute maximum of what you could do with it. Uh, well, at least Diana Theater, I felt that she was trying to, and, and, and Stan Douglas as well, they were both trying to bring you to an experience, to... Yeah. To, follow them in this in this world that they've created and it's kind of interesting that we picked those sort of at the last minute and kind of randomly and I see them as being very both both very well connected like I, I, now that you're saying it it's like really they're they're kind of working on different ends of a very similar sort of experience mm-hmm yeah yeah um, I don't know how you would uh, do that whole video game kind of uh, scape, like uh, it's almost like Ubisoft. And considering when you play a video game and you look at the end credits and it rolls for 20 yeah, minutes, have exactly, you ever noticed exactly. that? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Video games are—they're like—they're like movies, man. They take—they got huge production behind them. Even more than movies, I believe, because I have never seen that many names. That's true, because there's so much rendering and programming and everything else that's going on, on top of everything, like live action stuff. It's true. Mm -hmm. And plus, it's it's got it's got to be interactive, right? Like movies aren't interactive. Movies, you just watch them and they go from beginning to end. <laughs> I kind of like the the immersive. Uh, installation type thing I, I explored that a little bit but the thing is it's so uh, my god it's it's it, it, it invades your whole life and you're dependent on the space so um, the space will conditions in a space change constantly you know so you have to to do so much work that's not the actual that doesn't involve the actual work. It's it's all oh trying to find some kind of uh, uh, nail or some screw or some attachment to the <laughs> wall, you know, that yeah, will and, fit and, and this not, thing. And not to mention the cost of it all. Like if you were getting into some of these more intricate things, you're, they're they're they must cost millions of dollars to produce. Yeah. Some of them, maybe not millions, but hundreds, hundreds of thousands, I'm sure. Well, Diana, and some probably millions. 
she goes uh, in uh, the the forest. Yes. Yeah, she, she she films the the gorillas, and even though she hates it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a dedicated to her art. That's for sure. Did you get far enough along with the Stan Douglas where you saw the film that he was doing that film noir? No. Where he was showing a, there was a film that he was showing that had a live action thing going on at the same time as it. Oh my god! And so you're kind of he's yeah, and he said it was it's the sort of thing that people are sort of confused by at first, but as you watch it, your mind adjusts to it, and you can kind of care you can kind of pay attention to the two things going on at the same time. I think it's the same thing being enacted on stage as what's on the film. Hmm. It's it yeah, pretty clever. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. You, you, yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you start to say, well, wow, I've, I, I don't feel like I'm that creative. You know, I feel like these are people that have, I, but you know, from working in it, that creative creativity, you, you can't expect it to just come from nowhere, right? It doesn't. It, it comes from continually working at it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I, I feel that I need to have. <laughs> some of the, that knowledge. I uh, need to have photography uh, down, like I have to take a photography class, I have to take an Adobe Photoshop class, I have to take um, more uh, iMovie kind of uh, video editing class, and I would really like to take electronics class, so to know how to... Yeah, then you could become... Yeah, become a modern, well-rounded artist. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if you can, if you can add sound, and if you can add Im moving image to your to your uh, artwork, um, it's really it really opens up uh, all kinds of possibilities. And I I really do love projections and playing with light, and um, I think that it it. Uh, it's, it reminds me, uh, I always compare it to when I was a child, I used to love to play with this uh, little view viewing uh, projector. That it was just like a simple kind of tube with a, with a flashlight kind of thing. And you would have strips of uh, acetates with images, and there were strips, and you'd move them through the little projection uh, uh, toy and I'd go like in stairways or in in dark spots and I just keep looking at these images you know I just loved projection with when I was a kid and also right, my right. parents took us to see movies outdoor movies in plein air uh, parks well, need... yeah it wasn't like well, uh, car car uh, what's it called Car mo movies uh, that you go see more, in your car. More Jerry Lewis mo <laughs> movies. <laughs> oh no, that's in France. <laughs> you always, you always go there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. It's okay. It's okay. No, there's probably in all seri in all seriousness, there's probably like way more cultural films than we would have ever had an opportunity to see here in Ontario because that's just what Quebec is sort of all about. They also have Elvis Gratton though, right? <laughs> You're so funny. You keep going there. <laughs> well, I think it's it just shows it's a it's a well rounded culture from from and end to end, right? From Elvis Graton to who did Jerry Lewis? To, 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 I don't know, to Bordeaux or whoever. <laughs> oh. and, prob and probably, I'm sure there's a, a, a vibrant and interesting Quebec film industry, too, that I wouldn't necessarily know about. You don't know Les Invasions Barbares? I might, if I saw more information on it, I might have heard of it, but it's not familiar off the top of my head. Is that a, a school of, of filming, of films, like, like, or a, no, like a, a style? Do you, know, do you know Denis Arcan, who did The Decline of the American yes, Empire? Yes, yes. Yeah, he, he, he did, did a did he sequel not... to that. It's called The Barbarian Invasions. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. I haven't seen it, but I do remember it. I, maybe I, actually, I might have seen it because we were, we really liked him back when I was, like, in my early 20s. I remember going to see the, 
Jesus of Montreal was him as well. Right. Right. Do you know uh, Xavier Dolan or Nolan? I think his name is. He said he did uh, J'ai tué ma mère. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, yeah. I remember that name, the film, but I don't know that I've seen that. And then there's Denis, Denis Villeneuve, or however you, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but who made the make, making the new Blade Runner film. And who's made lots of very, very big films? Who's also a Quebec filmmaker? I don't know that one. I yeah, I can't think. I can't think of the. Oh, I'd have to look it up. Well, I'm. I, I I looked him up just the other day because I know the name and I can't think of what I knew. And then I looked it up and I recognized a couple, but they weren't. You know, my brain it's like in one side out the other, pretty much. <laughs> no, but I I know what you mean about the uh, the viewing culture, the the difference of. Uh, of, uh, I guess it's it's a different set of it's like a different palette. We have a different palette of colors. You had a palette of colors, and I had my palette of colors. Like you had the group of seven. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, yeah, I that's interesting. I hadn't heard of them. You had just until black and I white. Came. You had just black and white. <laughs> thick, was... thick, thick paint that never dries. <laughs> Well, there's um, Riopelle was in black and white. Exactly, Baudoir as well, Jean right? Jean-Paul Lemieux was all like misty, kind of snowy stuff. And, uh, there were all kinds of people. But my dad always brought me to to see these uh, abstracted color field like uh, paintings at the Musée du Québec, and I always. They never understood, and I was, oh, Dad, why do we have to go here? And <laughs> he, he he was probably just pretty proud of the fact that this was a, a such a Quebec phenomenon. I would be. Mm. Yeah, well, he studied at uh, l'école du meuble, which was very uh, well known at the time, and he he was. He, he went he went to school with some good people. I don't know which ones. He probably would tell me and I wouldn't even listen, you know, like that's <laughs> one of those things. Oh, there's dad reliving his youth again and you know, you immediately don't listen when Yeah, I'm a, to, unless he would have said he went to school with Salvador Dali or something like that. <laughs> well, he, you know. Anyway, so I I, I get that, but uh yeah, so I went to see um, a series of films, uh, when was it, uh, Thursday or Friday? Thursday evening, yeah, I went to see um, a series of films, there was a visiting art a curator and artist uh, that came to uh, do a studio visit with us at school, and also she showed us a series of films that... Uh, she was traveling, uh, showing this Toronto animated um, uh, series, and um, right. it was a lot of uh, the same. It was no, it wasn't at all like Diana Theater, which she does. It wasn't at all. It was, it was like things like um, they put a camera on top of a pigeon, and the pigeon flies and. And you hear like the wind, so you all you hear is like <laughs> like this, and then you all you see is like super like jittery, uh, shaky kind of mess of images, and you almost have like uh, a fit of uh, of. Um, you know, tremors uh, watching that. Uh, so, and then this other one was um, a cow in the Philippines uh, or in Thailand who had fallen into a well and the whole village came to rescue that cow. And then you never knew if they would finally get the cow free. And in the end, they do. So that was another film. They were all now, like about seven to ten minutes long. Now, who was putting this on? Um, her name is Amy Fong, and she works for Canadian Art Magazine. And she was oh, yeah. touring. She was touring with those clips, those movies. Uh, so 
So she came she, to the local gallery or to the school? I'm sorry, you probably already to, said that. She came to our school, but uh, our professor, Andrea, has her own uh, gallery. So she invited her and, and the students to her gallery. It's called 180 Projects. Right. So uh, she showed us that series of uh, films. And uh, there were kind about, of a, like 10 different uh, directors. Sort of a private screening, basically. Yeah, 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 private screening, but uh, it was, um, you know, like, I don't know how to say it, but uh, artists who work in images in film uh, and in abstract film, um, they tend to have really clear ideas about art and... They, they might not always be very open-minded about traditional art, let's say, you know? Right. So um, it, was, uh, it was a bit difficult because she, she was really, really kind of pushing, uh, asking questions and really probing. And um, I guess she wanted things to fit sort of her vision of what... Uh, good art is today and I guess art today is conceptual it's it's that's what it is but you know if I look at Diana Thater and, and Stan Douglas they still have a story to tell and they still kind of yeah it still makes sense and you can still kind of enter this world and be invited and if, in and and still understand what's going on and it feels real and not really intimidating it feels like like honest Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a really um, important thing to to maintain in, in your art, no matter how big you become. And I think certain artists, their art to me feels honest still, but sometimes when you see them, they're they're overwhelming. Like a guy like Richard Serra is just, he's so intense, and his, his sculpture is, you know, giant and intense and made in shipyards. But I still find that there's an honesty to it, but it's it's kind of frightening, though. <laughs> Very frightening, yes, because of the sheer scale, the scale yeah, yeah, yeah. of production. Yeah, exactly. It's like you, you have to go to a shipyard to make your art. That's interesting. <laughs> it's almost like uh, how you think about someone who owns the biggest building in town or who builds um, trains or bombardier <laughs> or... Du Soleil, like you're thinking, you know how? How in the hell can yeah. one person build something so big? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I don't know that they think of it necessarily as a competition. It's just that's the way that their scale of their mind works, I guess. Mm. And they're able to they're able to somehow. Um, they're able to somehow finance it. That's the really hard part. But mm -hmm. yeah. Well, um, you had you said you had only about half an hour. Today? No, no, I, I had. Uh, I, I'm I'm got something coming up after seven. So that's what oh. I was saying. Early, early, earlier is better. So I'm not in a big rush. Oh, okay, that's good. Well. Uh... I'm all I'm all talked out about these two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have to. I think that it would be smart for us to try to maybe. Um, I'll try to make a note to myself to watch a whole one or something over the next week or so, and and I'll send you an, a line, and we can have some a little bit more to talk about one, so it's not all happening at the last minute, maybe. Sure, I I could tell I could talk to you a little bit about um, what has been happening for me. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you about. I thought that the, your, your term's coming to an end and you must have some uh, interesting things going on. Yeah, I have a few things to, to share. Um, I applied for um, a gallery uh, show in uh, Mississauga at the Living Arts uh, and I was I was turned down. I was uh, but That's okay. I'm, yeah, I'm no, fine I, with yeah. that. I'm fine with that. I, I, this was my first time, and, um, but the, I got this huge thing framed, <laughs> yeah, it's like 32 by 40, 36 by 42 inches, it's a huge frame, and 
Like behind uh, glass? Yeah, behind glass. So it's um, it's those are prints that I framed. I had framed, and uh, it was very expensive. And uh, and I can't. I don't even know if I can hang it in my house. Like Dave says, <laughs> we might have one wall with with a stud where it could go. So this is what we're going to do. Um, yeah. So well, you can you thing. you can get those really heavy drywall plugs that can take like seventy pounds. The the real big ones that screw in. I I've got my pots hanging on one, so I think there are solutions. But yeah, who knows? Yeah. But maybe you might not have the space either because you've probably got lots of stuff on your walls. I'm sure. <laughs> well, it's coming. It's coming to a point where I'm starting to purge now. I've I've begun the the process because I'm I'm. I'm nearing the end, and uh, uh, I completely emptied my uh, studio of paint. All the paint that I had, I I made a piece uh, with kitchen uh, uh, utensils, kitchen things, and like a tray for knives and forks. You know those trays that you put in a drawer with oh, yeah. like sections. I filled those with paint. <laughs> And uh, uh, martini glasses. I filled filled those with paint. Um, and let well, it you have to remember. You have to remember that Dave's vision isn't that good. So don't make don't leave those lying around. <laughs> Next thing you know, no, he's going to be drinking they're, paint. They're in the machine shop now. They're in our studio. At okay, school. good, good. So, um, so this is what this is. What another thing that's happening is that I'm starting to move on to the next step. Um, also, I went to my first, uh, craft sale, uh, with a friend. I, I asked a friend to come with me and we went to the Indian Friendship Center and we rented a table for $40 and we set up all our paintings, all the little paintings that I made. I made some zebra and some cows and, and I had some prints from, from school and, framed all framed and we were selling our stuff like twenty dollars and we sold zero. Oh come on zero zero we didn't oh gosh sell who, who, who was that who was at the show <clears throat> well that was the first time that my friend organized this show and uh it wasn't well or advertised yet because it, she's starting out and I mean she's a social worker she can't do everything so she there were about uh, tw- 10, 10 different vendors and they were <clears throat> selling mostly uh, native crafts and uh, there was one lady selling uh, like vinyl um, cuttings of sayings that you can put on the wall like uh, little, uh, a princess lives here and things like that. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, really, I wanted to just kind of try it out and be a part of the whole thing. Um, and there oh, yeah, yeah. so many no, craft no. sales. Oh yeah, no regrets with something like that. That's not very much money. To, no. it's, you, don't, you just take your chances. But you got to wonder that there's nobody there buying it. Did anybody buy anything? Yeah, people bought a few things like a a few toques here and there, but there were hardly anybody in, in the whole place. So, you know, we, we had no chance whatsoever. <laughs> I, we had zero chance. <laughs> so, um, I remember, uh, I remember Jeff Wilmore used to, his ex-wife Cindy used to make, she used to take these teapots and she painted, she was, she's a very talented artist. Like, but and she bought this paint by Pebio that you could paint on ceramic with. And I then remember it those so yeah, much. Yeah, they yeah, were yeah. so amazing. Yeah, they were I really was, nice. They they left an impression. I for yeah. years I dreamt of doing that. <laughs> and so she used they used to sell those at the well the one of a kind show was pretty good. That's the one in Toronto on the waterfront. That one was pretty good. But a couple of years, or maybe even only one year, they did the signature show here in London. And I remember Jeff Wilmore talking about old ladies that were walking around there with their wallets welded shut. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that sort of it's just, it's the sort of imagery that's never left me. <laughs> We're not here to buy anything. Our wallets are welded shut. 
<laughs> so yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty much this. I ended up. Um, I knew that I would buy more that than I would sell. I I was trying to to be smart about it, and if I'd sell something, I would buy something, but I didn't sell anything. So I felt that I should get something. So I bought a hat, and I was pretty happy with that hat. It was pretty cool yeah. hat. So well, grease the wheels of art commerce. But right? that just that just kind of. It, that's what happens constantly. Even if there are a lot of people, we don't sell a lot. And only friends, you know, like people who know you very yeah, well. Yeah, Like your best sad, friend, sure. your best friend will buy something from you. That's basically it. <laughs> yeah, that's no good. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's whatever. It's that's what it is. It's, exactly. It is what it is. And people sort of struggle with with, uh, you know, with whatever they can get away with. And craft shows, I think, are notoriously not great for that sort of thing. And then what they are great for is for friends showing up and buying stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but friends, but the, but sometimes friends bring other friends that you don't know. Now they maybe they'll become your friends too, and then the next time you do it, they can buy something for you. <laughs> yeah. And then it's a new friend buying something, but... Totally, totally. Well, we're, we're uh, it's all fun, of, whatever, right? We're just kind of figure figuring things out, and um, I caught up. I I brought my friend Jackie, and we talked for the whole time, and um, she told me so much. I catched up with her. She 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 started a new job, and um, you know she she's kind of uh, in the same situation as me, where uh, she. She's married to a psych uh, prof, and it's been really difficult for her to find work in Sault Ste. Marie, and uh, she's at home a lot, and you'd think that we'd, we're wives from the 50s, the way we talk, because <laughs> because we say things like, uh, you know, oh, so, so uh, now I'm not going to be home anymore uh, to make supper, and things like that, you know? <laughs> That's your job. <laughs> well, in my house, David is the chef, but yeah, I saw. I saw. You stand back. Now he's got a now he's got a circulating sous vide machine. Yeah, my goodness, he talked about that sous vide machine. Oh my god! For, about for months. Yeah, yeah. Now he's going to use it in everything. He's going to be sous viding everything. Yeah, yeah. He That's... started. He started already. And I saw the pork line on the uh, on Facebook there. Yeah, yeah. That. Yeah, they're pretty neat. You know what's funny? Um, around the time that he was talking, somebody he was talking about that on Facebook, and that was, was a good deal. A friend of mine in the office that I work with had sent out a Facebook message saying, "Okay, her new kitchen is finally renovated, and she's looking for new gadgets to buy, and any suggestions on what gadgets to buy." And so, of course, I said, "Get a sous vide machine," and. And and I was kidding because I didn't think she was really much of a cook. And she's like, oh, that might be a great thing to get. And so today she says, if you come down, I just got my machine. She got one, the same one. So, yeah, it just showed up at the work today. So it's pretty. <laughs> so that was because of Dave that she got one because I saw he's had that posting with the – it was a really good deal on them. And so she's, she jumped right on that. She likes a good deal. Who doesn't? Dave said that he he influenced – Ten of his friends to buy. Yeah, and, and one of my friends. <laughs> so you can pass that along to him. Okay. It's pretty nuts. It's it's kind of crazy, but anyway. Yeah. So that's what happened, and uh, what else? Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I got I got that um, that visit uh, that studio visit and it went fairly well considering um, that I do I, I was painting cows and stuff but she, <laughs> she she liked my my stories I you should read um next time I'm down in London I'll show you the stories that I wrote to accompany those paintings and they're they're fun. Like my professors were reading them, and I shared them with a few friends, and they all said that they they would buy that book if it was <laughs> if it was published. That's um, nice. That's ni it's nice to get that kind of validation. Yeah. I think. So, 
Well, I like I like stories. I love stories, so that's that was fun. Now, where are you sitting in your? So this is the end of a term. I expect you're still there for another term after this one, though, right? I'm going to probably sign up for printmaking two. Um, so this will be about uh, my God, all kinds of processes like copper etching and photo etching and lith lithograph on stones and uh, dipping things in acid and uh, a whole bunch Sca of stuff like that. Scary stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be, yeah. But I will, I will be complaining. I know I will be complaining. <laughs> so, um, and then, as far as I'm, as far as we know, my professor and I, we we sat down and we looked at everything. Looks like I should be able to do thesis in September. And I should be almost done and in the spring of 2018. And that's what I'm hoping. And then after that... You can get an art I job. I, <laughs> I will not get an art job in Sault Ste. Marie, definitely. But I will... Well, the what are the options for me? Um, I can... I can work at um, at a um, calling calling center. I can uh, do some. Uh, I can clean houses. How about uh, continuing to teach French? Is that just not quite enough? Uh, well, continuing to teach French uh, that would be great if it's just a little bit it's hard these days to teach uh students um dave dave and i we we were just at our wits ends we were just kind of we cannot really fathom the level it's it's he's dave keeps saying it's abysmal and i think that's a good good uh, adjective so i people that just don't know how to write and don't know how to think critically are you, is, are you being critical of that? It's it's you know it's 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 down to things like how how much further can you bring down the line? It's it's like I've brought down the line and I've simplified things. Now I'm teaching. I feel like I'm teaching grade eight. Like people old... don't even know the verbs to be and to have. Those are yeah. the two basic verbs in French, and if you don't know those, you can't you can't speak in the passé composé. You can only speak in the present. So you know, I really expected more from high school, and now I, high school isn't uh, helping me much. Uh, so I have to become a high school teacher, and it has kind of changed the course for me a bit i used to i used to be able to teach real grammar at real advanced grammar to allow for uh essay writing uh, but now uh, my students can barely write an essay uh i would say half of them can barely write an essay so, yeah, I taught a course a couple of years ago, and I found the same thing. It's just people just don't try, and they they're so distracted by things, and their attention spans are very short. Yeah, yeah, they try, they try. You know, like I'm I'm being hard, but uh, it's it's just... not. You're not being hard on the people. I think you're being more hard on the whole process that is we've created as a society that's led them to be these people. And it takes, like, it, you have to be, like, a real superstar now to rise above that. Whereas I think when we were young, not saying that, I think the caliber it was a little bit better. And I think that it was basically because the education system was a little bit more solid. And kids weren't so distracted. Like, kids are on their phones continually. Like, they're... You know, they've got, like, notifications set up for every single app they have, and it's like the thing's going off continually, and it's just, I don't know, like, they don't have, like, as an adult, people do it as well, but I think as adults, you have the, 
I don't know, the wherewithal or the idea that this doesn't seem right and maybe you can like turn some of these off or something or maybe even like like get off of Facebook for like a month or a week even and just try to figure out what your life would be like without it, right? Mm-hmm. But young people, young people, I just don't think think like that at all. It's just this is what they've grown up with, right? It's like, you know, I grew up with the wheel. I took I took it for granted. <laughs> yeah, well, I and that's okay. I guess um, they they have other skills that I don't have, and and they're probably yeah, yeah, yeah. Well prepared that's fair. That's fair. for for uh, they're well prepared for this world, uh, I'm sure, but. Uh, it's just that um, as far as the academic world that I thought that I was to be a part of. Yeah, I hear that, you. Um, you know, um, it's just I fight, I fight constantly with my own line, like I've set lines for myself. And it's, uh, it's becoming too difficult for me to accept um the level of easiness of of simplicity that I've allowed, um, just because I'm trying to ease to make their lives easier for their other courses. Like I'm trying to give them a break, uh, you know. Um, and I don't want to also. I, I've probably turned off a few students by correcting them too much. But they weren't corrected in high school, so uh, yeah. I have no. to kind of embarrass them in front of the whole class, and that's just, that's terrible, you know? Like, it no, puts I, me I, in, in a position that is horrible. I know exactly what you're saying, because I was in the same boat, um, not with having to correct people necessarily, but having to, what I thought was giving them a course, that I was basically telling them exactly what to bloody well do. And yet they still weren't doing it and they were still complaining and they were still, and you're just kind of like, what do you want from me? Like, you know, I've basically given you the exam in advance. Mm -hmm. You just have to, it's not going to be exactly the same, but if you just go through and study and go to your classes, like there's no reason that students couldn't have gotten a B in my course. And again, I relate to what you were saying about, um, uh, you're, you're trying to, you know, that this isn't like one of their most challenging or important courses because they're in a bigger program and you're trying to not make it easy for them but give them the opportunity to bring their grade point average up and to do to be a better student right yeah Yeah. and that's what i was trying to do and certain people got that and certain people didn't but i know i think like the way that course was taught like it it was called i don't remember what it's called now water and civilization and uh the way it was taught the way i taught it i just it's like if you can't get a b in this you're just basically not paying any attention right you've got no attention span Anyway, I mean, maybe you could become an art teacher instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm I'm going to graduate, and then I will see what's 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 in store for me. Uh, definitely apply for uh, grants, um, and that takes a lot of work. Continue the work. Um, maybe change and modify my studio downstairs until I can have a studio outside uh, somewhere. Um, and, and Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's teach, a good idea. Maybe teach art somewhere. I have no idea yet, but... I, yeah, I think if you can, as an artist, have a studio outside of your living space, I know that it's not as practical in a way and it costs a bit more, but I think that it makes you more motivated to not be working in the same space that you're in all the time, that you've got to go somewhere to do the work. I think that's, I think that's important from my, um, not my own personal experience. Cause I've not, no, I've never called myself an artist and I've never had an outside studio, but I think that people that have that seem to really, really, uh, I guess thrive is the word more so mm-hmm. than people. Well, I don't even know them more. So I just, to me, I like the notion of it. I guess is kind of what I'm thinking because I know I also artists that work in their own homes. Because let's face it, you can't everybody can't afford to, you know, to have two spaces that they're that they're using and and uh, you know you can. I'm sure you can continue to make decent art. Maybe your quality of your art won't even change that much by getting an outside space. But at least I think having the outside space to me, it just there's this definition that I think I I, I would really like if I were trying to make a go of it. I would try to do that. 
Well, I think it just kind of opens up a little bit the possibilities if you can have a space where you 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 can have a high a, like higher kind of ceiling uh, space so your pieces can be bigger or yeah, you can yeah, leave yeah. things for a longer time. You can let it dry or or you can, you know, set up a, a, an assembly line of some kind with all your processes going, at, you know, at the same time. So Yeah, just having more space, right? Just having more space and, and even having a, a bit of space for storage is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see what what's in store for for little Isabelle, la petite Isabelle. <laughs> la petite Isabelle. <laughs> la petite Isabelle Graton. <laughs> Graton, yes. Isabelle Graton. <laughs> you need yourself in a, a a white suit. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Okay, well, we've been going on here for a little bit and a little bit off track, so maybe yeah. we should uh, say, say, say bid adieu. Yes, au revoir. <laughs> okay, you uh, you have a good weekend and that, and we'll uh, we'll talk soon. And like I said, I'll try to uh, watch one of those and let you know which one it was over the next uh, uh, week or so. Perfect. <laughs>